In the exposition of the doctrine of salvation, the congregation has come to Lord's Day 5 of the Heidelberg Catechism. So this afternoon I may proclaim the Word of God to you as we summarize and confess that in Lord's Day 5 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 521, in the back of our Book of Praise, page 521. Lord's Day 5, this beginning of the second part, our deliverance, there we echo the Word of God as follows. Since according to God's righteous judgment we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? God demands that His justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment, either by ourselves or through another. Can we, by ourselves, make this payment? Certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase our debts. Can any mere creature pay for us? No. In the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. Furthermore, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? One who is a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creature, that is, the one who is at the same time true God. That's our confession. In response to the sermon, we will be singing from Psalm 31, the verse the stanzas 1 and 11. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have a Savior. That is the gospel, brothers and sisters, which I may proclaim to you this afternoon. We have a Savior. That's the glad tiding which we should consider in this service. That's what people are seeking, right? A Savior. That is someone who delivers you from misery and makes you happy, who gives you security and provides freedom. The question is, though, what kind of Savior must we seek? That's the question in number 15. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? That's the central question. Lord's Day 5 brings us to the answer to that question. Now, it is possible, beloved, to read Lord's Day 5 in two ways, the right way and the wrong way. Those who criticize this Lord's Day for its logic, for its rational questioning, read it the wrong way. They read it like a tax form or like a computer program, just follow the flashcards. 
Thus they end up at the mediator who is at the same time God's son and true and righteous man. There is another way. The confessor of Lord's Day 1 reads it as a believer. You know that God saves you through Jesus Christ. That was our only comfort in life and in death for body and soul, that you belong to Him, your Savior. Since Lord's Day 1, we have been tracing this way of salvation so that we can live in the joy of the only comfort. We searched the Scriptures to see and find and realize how great it is, this salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord's Day 5 continues that search, that we may see more and more the greatness and grace, the love and mercy of God, who in Jesus Christ saves us. As you will recall from last week's Lord's Day 4, beloved, the believer just finished looking in the mirror of the law. We saw what God demands of us, perfect love. We were reminded of our position before God in the sight of God's justice. It robbed us of all self-confidence. It reminded us of the seriousness of our sin and guilt. That's when sorrow over sin and guilt seeks comfort. We've come to realize more and more that our life is running stuck in our sins, in death, unless the Lord does something about it. Hence, we have come to the second part of the Heidelberg Catechism with the question, Lord, have mercy on me, miserable sinner. Thank God, the Bible is the book for sinners. Searching the Scriptures for the mediator and deliverer we need, we may hear the gospel about the payment for our sin and guilt, the payment that delivers us from the huge debt we owe God. Well, that's the gospel I may proclaim once again, which I summarize as follows. The gospel of the payment for our guilt. That is, first of all, the gospel about God and our guilt. Secondly, about us and our inability. The bulletin has ability, but that's a typing error. It is about us and our inability. And thirdly, the gospel about our mediator and deliverer. So I summarize the message of this afternoon as follows, the gospel of the payment for our guilt. That's the gospel about God and our guilt, about us and our inability, and about our mediator and deliverer. So first of all, the gospel about God and our guilt. Lord's Day 5, brothers and sisters, begins with a confession of guilt. Since, according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment. That's not just a statement of fact, 
That's the conclusion of someone who has exhausted all possibilities of escape. There's no way to go. We don't have a foot to stand on. We're at the end of our rope. We have hit rock bottom. So, we concede. The Word of God, which we echoed in the previous Lord's Day, convicted and convinced us we deserve punishment. We don't need to argue any longer either what punishment that will be. We deserve death. We deserve it when in sickness, in adversity, in poverty, in war, and disaster, death is coming to us. We deserve it when in the grave no one can sing God's praise any longer. And we deserve the punishment of the eternal fire, the place of gnashing of teeth, that is hell. Now, as I mentioned, beloved, we must read Lord's Day 5 as confessor, as believer. And so we must realize that it is a miracle of God's grace when we come to the question, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? The believer asks a question like, O oh Lord, have mercy. How can we deal with your justice? How can we escape your just judgment, your temporal and eternal punishment which we deserve? You see, the unbeliever would not ask a question like that. They're not concerned much about their sin and guilt, which they don't know. The devil and his evil spirits won't ask this question either. At best, they will ask when this judgment will be executed, as they expressed in their question to the Lord Jesus. Matthew 8, verse 29, Son of God, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? The children of God, however, ask and pray, how can we escape this punishment? Evidently, brothers and sisters, this question sounds like a cry of fear and despair. Well, of course, after what we have heard and understood from last week's exposure to God's justice and about His righteous judgment in hell, terrible! Still, this fear for damnation is a believing fear, a knowledgeable fear. It's the fear of God's child who knows the reality of sin and guilt, of suffering and death. You know, is this thought of sickness and death not terrifying? The reality of war and wrath not horrifying? The thought alone of despairing of God's loving care, of losing His mercy the way the psalmist expresses it. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? 
Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Psalm 30, verse 9. The thought alone troubles him and us. When you can't sing God's praise any longer as child of God, as God's creature created for that very purpose, that's what makes death so terrible. Right? Of course, it's terrible when you can't see your husband, your wife, your child any longer, uh, or speak to them anymore. Yet what is worse is that you can't see any longer the glory of your heavenly Father in creation. And you can't praise Him any longer the way the angels do, who always live to honor Him. And then the eternal punishment is worse yet. That's hell. The place of God's forsakenness, where the fire of God's wrath rages eternally and where the love of God is gone completely. That's where the hatred against God and man is rampant and all bonds have been cut forever. How can we escape this punishment, beloved, and be again received into favor? Yes, God's grace and favor, that's the opposite of eternal death and God's forsakenness. When He receives you into favor, the bonds are restored, and so are the communion and reunion be accomplished between the love of God the Father and His child. How is that possible? How can that reunion be accomplished? Can it be? Thank God. Yes, it can be. You hear that? Yes, it can be. And then the answer is not the result of logic of some rational explanation, but the response of faith. The child of God knows how it can become good again between father and child. How? Well, father is God, and God's justice demands that it be satisfied by making full payment. Why? Because God has said so beforehand. The day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Father is God, who never says something just like that, but He means it. It's the truth. No one can change that justice and truth of God unless it is satisfied. God is God. He's just, and He has established this justice from eternity, and He announced it to us in time. The man who sins must die. Remember, my brother and sister, modern man doesn't want this justice, doesn't accept this God. They don't want such a complicated gospel such a difficult message. Why not stress that God is love and that He just forgives? God is good, right? 
So how can you speak of hell and God's love in one breath? That's the error of our time, indeed, of a people who do not know that God is one in His justice and love, in His mercy and judgment. God is not divided. They make God into a lenient God who can live with sin no problem, who can tolerate the brokenness between God and man and among people. But that's not the God we know from the Scriptures, though. Can we be received into favor, share in the grace of God? Well, God's grace does not take the place of justice. The Lord is love also in His holy justice. God, our Heavenly Father, has shown His love and grace and mercy by making sure that His justice was satisfied, that payment for guilt was made. How? Yes, how? Let's look in the second place at the gospel about us and our inability. We must make full payment either by ourselves or through another. Can we do so, beloved? Well, after all we have learned and found in the previous Lord's days, we know our sins and misery so well that we should not need to ask this question. We know we can't pay. On the contrary, we daily increase our debts. So why ask the question anyway? Yeah, that's a good question. Why ask if you know the answer? You know why, though. Because we are inclined to think that we can still do something about it. We are used to paying up, making up, and moving on. The children already are inclined that way. They get wrapped over the knuckles, they sit out the time of their detention, and they come back. Can they now go on playing again, mommy? And when they get older too, they grin and bear the punishment, and afterward assume that everything is hunky-dory. Perhaps you think at this time, but what about the question in a religious sense? Can we not pay ourselves? Again, there too, people have been used to paying the gods and appeasing them. The world over, we find temples and sanctuaries where people have paid their penalties to the gods. They did so by sacrificing animals, Or, as we know from the Moabites, for instance, they did so making human sacrifices even. The Chinese did it the clever way. They had counterfeit money printed for that purpose so as to pay the gods. It was a gesture that counted, and the gods don't care about money anyway. What about us, though? Do we know better? Well, what about the way some go about their religious duties? You go to church, twice even, 
pay your dues, go to Bible study, and do something good when called for. Of course, I know that we don't look at it that way. And yet, when I hear some of our children sometimes, they take it that way. Our church is so strict, and we are not allowed to do anything, and we have to go to church to be saved. Can we ourselves make this payment? Certainly not. We daily increase our debts. Who is talking here, beloved? The Moabites? The Chinese? No. The reformed believers who echo God's words. We have learned this answer from the Lord Himself. You can't pay. You increase your debt, so don't even try. Even when you try, you tend to increase your debt for whatever is done, not out of faith, is sin. Then what about another creature? Like what creature? An angel? That's one of the servants of God. Would that satisfy God's justice when a servant pays God the Father for the guilt of the children? Remember how important our love was for God the Father, our complete and perfect love for which He created us. Well, what about a strong man, a leader, a Nobel Prize winner, a politician, a holy man, or a guru of sorts? What about a doctor, a specialist, a scientist, a millionaire? Would it be possible to use real money for it? People keep looking for a strong man, a world power, a messianic leader to save them. Can they? No. No one can pay the ransom for his own life. Let be for others. Don't put your trust in prince or ruler, in a man however wise. In him is no help or power. When his breath departs, he dies. We cannot save or deliver ourselves, neither can any man who is merely a man. Of course, that's hard for our ego to admit this, beloved. Yet from the Word of God, we do know that God has given animals for that purpose. So do we have to seek it with those creatures, sheep, goats, oxen? Didn't the Lord say so Himself? I give you these animals and their blood as atonement for your sin. Then we should not jump too quickly to the fact that these animals couldn't do it, that they were just a sign, a foreshadowing, etc. Throughout the Old Testament dispensation, the Lord was satisfied with these animal sacrifices as atonement for sin. The Lord manifested His mercy and grace gloriously already in the animal sacrifices on the altars in Solomon's temple. 
And yet, making payment for the sins of the people sufficiently? No. These sacrifices continue to be made without there ever being an end to the flowing of their blood. As we read in Hebrews 10, verse 3, those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Every day the altar smoked and the blood flowed, the sacrifices also testified. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. David already, beloved, knew this and expressed it as we hear in Psalm 40. Sacrifices and offering you did not desire. The Lord wanted a body a man, to pay for man's sins. The Lord wanted a man to love him the way Adam should have loved. The Lord also wanted a man to die because he had told Adam his word of truth. The day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Man, however, could not comply with these command demands and pay them adequately, bear this wrath completely. Even before the fall into sin, it took Adam everything he had to show his love to the Lord. Hence, the way things are now, he is impossibly able to pay it and bear the wrath of God as well. No man cannot do it. I cannot do it myself. An animal can't save me, and sacrifices won't deliver me. An angel is not the answer either. Neither can man, another, can another sinner do it, or my money, or my good works. Yet I know that God wants to restore His handiworks. I know that God cries over the destruction of His people. God wants us back. Yes, He comes after us to call us back. They deserve hell. How can I save them in my love and justice? God so loved this world that He wanted to save them. But how? Let's hear the gospel about our mediator and deliverer in the third place. Together, brothers and sisters, we sang from Psalm 40. After we also read this psalm, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. That's how the Holy Spirit inspired David to be the mouthpiece of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it himself, it is written about me in the scroll. After everything was fulfilled and the Christ had come and had paid and had returned to his disciples, he said, did not the Christ have to suffer these things? Indeed, he had to, which in Greek is a divine must. 
And he explained to them from Moses and the prophets this holy must, the plan of salvation as contained in the whole Old Testament. Now, it would be too much at this time, brothers and sisters, to go by all those sacrifices and offerings of the law to show how they pointed to the Christ. The Lord, as I just said, had given the blood of the animals as atonement for their sins. That was God's plan of salvation portrayed for the instruction of His people Israel. In that way, the Lord had pointed out day after day how His people themselves could never satisfy His justice and pay for their sins. Yet what was the message of those scriptures, atonement will be made. For payment will be possible to satisfy my justice. To the Old Testament people of God already, this work of atonement and the reconciliation with the Lord was a cause of great joy and thanksgiving and praise. They were assured and guaranteed of the Lord's promise that He would provide the Lamb, that He would provide the payment for sin, and that He would provide the mediator and deliverer who would make atonement for sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish in hell. Indeed, beloved, it was written about Him in the scroll Jesus Christ, whom God sent into the world to be our mediator and deliverer. He was a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures. He was and is the only Son of God. He is the Savior, whom we confessed in Lord's Day 1. He is the mediator from God. Indeed, from God. For this way of salvation and this manner of payment have not come up in the heart of man. God revealed it to us in His words, that is, to those who love Him. We read it in Hebrews 10. He has come and said, I came to do God's will, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen.